Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now, but I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. So here we are, on a barge for one crazy weekend of fun and laughter. Oh, I missed you. Oh, I love that out here. Makes me feel so alive. Steered one of these beauties before, have you? Yeah. Well, any trouble, give me a call. Trouble? It's going to be a great weekend. I can feel it. I'd get in your barge and go back the way you came if I was you. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 388 of the Really Awful Movies podcast. Daughters of Darkness and The Barge People. It just goes to show the sheer variety of the horror space that two such incredibly disparate, different, and divergent properties could possibly be made and still come under the uh, the umbrella, under the rubric of, of horror. I mean, it, it just really beggars belief. It's really astounding. Yeah, let's really let's I think we should probably start with the barge people because that's very very quirky and very odd and very unique and it sort of falls along the lines of the regional horrors that we've been covering and have covered actually on the podcast whether that includes offerings mountaintop motel massacre uh, hayride unhinged that kind of these kind of small little quirky productions this time, however, we're going to uh, the UK, and I think the remake of Unhinged was actually a UK production as well, and of course that one was kind of a fun one that was uh, lensed in Oregon. But for those who are unaware, I mean, uh, the UK is dotted with canals of all stripes, and they've been extant since uh, Roman times, and... I, I kind of clued into this film of all th- through of all things uh, going down weird wormholes on YouTube when the pandemic began. Specifically, this odd type of uh, travel log, uh, travel vlog series that included uh, people who were like sailing around the world and that kind of thing. And I guess under protracted lockdowns and just basically stuck here with a toddler and unable to really venture out, not even to the local mall in, in some cases, which was shuttered for a long time and uh, having your only uh, avenues entertainment wise being like uh, walk up to window coffee establishments and grocery stores and and, and uh, pharmacies. That, that It was really limiting and I, th- I really uh, expanded the 
scope of where at least virtually I could travel and that included people who were sailing around the world and it's pretty funny of course being uh, I'm a total guy I died in the wool um, one such video I believe involved I, I wish I could shout them out properly but there's some woman in a bikini and of course I clicked on that and uh, some young couple I, th I think European or something and they were sailing around and uh, at some point, I think they were navigating the canals of Europe and uh, venturing from, I think, Central Europe all the way to the Benelux countries in the north and maybe even crisscrossing to England. And again, there's a wealth of canal systems and locks, and uh, I would see them navigate these tiny little waterways and these thoroughfares that are really very... It just seemed like something that wouldn't be entirely uh, overly appealing. I remember as a kid, uh, my parents would take me around Ontario and we would see the lock systems, but the difference being Ontario has this vast network of massive, massive lakes. I mean, Lake Ontario alone is 300 kilometers across and there's tons of thousands and upon thousands of lakes and waterways and it just seems like somewhere in England, it'd just be too small a scale to be really enjoyable. But it seems to me that some of these, these the canals are only maybe 20 feet wide and it, that would seem somewhat uh, quaint when you're talking about uh, let's say floating down the river in a barge uh, through or past I guess a, a nice medieval town as you would maybe in France or I guess part, parts of the UK as well but it just doesn't seem like something that would be overly appealing. Anyway, it is apparently a cultural phenomenon where people have these barges and they actually uh, navigate them uh, and, and the steerage, it should be said, is, is quite basic. So you have this, this uh, lever in the back of these vessels and they can be like 20 or 30 feet long and you just sort of move it side to side just to avoid other vessels. It's very, very strange. It looks kind of quaint, kind of fun, but also kind of goofy. And the principals and the barge people, they comprise two couples, uh, one of whom is kind of this douchey London banker type who uh, wears this uh, ridiculous yellow uh, sweater uh, tied around his, uh, his neck as is par for the course to signify or connote being a total and utter douchebag so that or rich guy or whatever and he does not take kindly to floating down these uh, tepid waterways and doesn't see how this is a fun way to spend one's weekend. His girlfriend thinks otherwise and they connect with another couple and uh, I think they rent this boat and you get a sense of this, this kind of experience uh, being in this uh, rather flat uh, barge style boat. So uh, much of this takes place in, in, the, in the vessel, but uh, also their stops, their pit stops, because of course they have to navigate locks and there are towns along the way and they could stop uh, for supplies and to replenish their uh, stock of, of uh, drinks and they drink heavily. But the barge people in question are, they, they kind of remind me of a, a little bit of, of the creature from the Black Lagoon in a, in, a, in a weird kind of way or swamp thing or maybe even humanoids from the deep. They've got that kind of cheap and cheerful aesthetic to them and so these people apparently populate the bridges and the swamps and uh, these this canal systems like geez the last time i saw a movie featuring a canal i think it might have been amsterdam or maybe the actually the movie the canal <laughs> but yeah it's kind of funny i mean you always associate canals like when i think of it i, I cast my mind back to amsterdam and 
and, or Venice or something, and it's always really very beautiful and very quaint and very gorgeous. But this one is seems very rustic and very rural. And uh, the, the principles, you know, they invest, this film invests a lot uh, in these people. And I think they're quite nicely uh, counterbalanced. So you have on the one hand the uh, freewheeling, uh, devil may care, uh, I guess easygoing wayfinder who, who takes the helm or uh, takes the, uh, the, the captain. Uh, responsibilities and he's the one character and then he's pitted against this very uh, uh, high strong A-type banker guy who's just constantly on his phone and you can almost relate to a type, type of person who would be that way who'd be eschewing all sense of wonder and, and relaxation in favor of uh, the goings-on and home and who can't and it seems perpetually tethered to the office and as things proceed, you get uh, they, they have a little backstory of the barge people in question who uh, are uh, cannibals living you know under these bridges, almost like these gnome uh, <laughs> sort of dwarf characters in a way. And it almost reminded me of this Canadian horror called End of the Line, which featured very very similarly uh, depicted and positioned creatures, almost like the hills have eyes in a way. But in the case of End of the Line, they were actually subterranean monsters. And in inhabiting the, I think it was meant to be the New York subway state system, but it was probably Toronto. Could have been Montreal. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. But yeah, so you have this kind of weird setup. And if nothing else, it takes you to a completely different realm. I mean, who would ever give a moment's thought to drifting down a, a canal system in the UK? You just don't. And uh, there's some fun scenes. We're going to segue into what we learned for this movie, but... There's, uh, they, they encounter some ornery folks who actually live on the canal and have this house be, or have their, this boat be a houseboat as, you, as we, we understand them in North America. And they, uh, the, the douchey guy, I guess, uh, runs into them because he doesn't take his captaining duties too seriously. And they later meet in this pub. It almost reminds me of an American uh, werewolf in London where it's got this really, really nice, rustic, scenic, uh, rural pastoral pub and then the denizens collect there and gather there and then there's the the publican is actually this very stern woman with a shotgun who chases off the uh, antagonist so that that's pretty funny and pretty cool and you get this dynamic again between the traveling parties and the acrimony between them but also the tension uh, between them and this i think they're liverpudlians that they meet because they one guy refers to them as scouse bastards or something and scouse is a term for someone from liverpool derogatory i think it's derogatory so you have this tension between the the uh, after this boating accident and then you have this uh they run out of food they end up in the pub and then you have this series of murders that take place near the canal and it's quite well depicted in the opening credits where it's it's very very stark and very austere. This is a very, very low-budget uh, film, but I think it's a pretty cool uh, idea to base uh, a horror around. And yes, it's kind of derivative because these creatures are ones you've seen before, dating all the way back to the 50s. Uh, they're kind of corny, they're kind of amphibious, they're kind of cheesy, they're kind of plastic, but it's all in good fun, right? And I think this movie does make really good use of the, uh, the setting, because there's some quite lovely uh, scenes of the setting sun and, uh, and these, these quaint boats, and it's, it's not bad. It has some, it has some merit, and uh, yes, it's a little bit corny. Another thing I learned is that the writer and executive producer has uh, my name 
except minus one vowel. So the writer and executive producer was Christopher Lombard. And, I, and when I, when they were, it was scrolling, I was like, holy shit, this is almost my doppelganger, but not quite, off by a little bit. Uh, the director has done other low-budget uh, UK efforts, I forget his name, I think Chris Steeds or something, and he shows a, a few dire directorial touches here, and there's some, it, it, this is a nice lean runtime of an hour and 20 minutes, and it's something very unique and very quirky and, and uh, obviously there, this is a cheap and cheerful effort. Now, and as Monty Python would say, and now for something completely different, Daughters of Darkness is very, 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 very different. We take you to another continent, if you want to say that. I mean, Brits always think they're not part of Europe, but this is a Belgian erotic horror. And you go, what? <laughs> uh, directed by Harry Kumel. And uh, it's it's really, really plodding and really, really, uh, I guess, uh, kind of, it's really lush and really uh, fulsome in its uh, visuals because this is uh, palatial and it, it ventures into Bruges, which is a gorgeous part of Belgium that... Uh, that I had the pleasure of visiting. It's just basically everywhere you look, there's a chocolate chocolatier or a uh, a, a purveyor of, of excellent, excellent. I mean, it's one of the world's best beer making regions. So everywhere you went is just one of the most gorgeous. I think maybe the most beautiful medieval town preserved I've ever seen in my life. Uh, even besting, I think some places in Italy or Germany, but. Just so stunning, and uh, this is uh, a vampire flick, and uh, it has this the the scion of a of an aristocratic family named Stefan. His he was a newlywed, and his wife they're the Chiltons, and they they uh, venture into this grand hotel and they check in and they're the only uh, denizens of this place because it's off season in Ostend, which is the sea a seafaring. It's not too far from the uh, the, the channel to England, which where Stefan wants to bring his uh, newly betrothed over to meet to meet his mother, and they just basically uh, spend their time just lolling around this gorgeous palatial hotel, and it's really really beautiful. And then it's uh, when nightfall happens, this mysterious enigmatic countess, uh, Countess Bathory, arrives with a secretary, quote-unquote, so her, her equivalent of a manservant, but really a female servant, uh, in, with whom she has a, uh, a lesbian relationship. Uh, her name is Ilona, and uh, she is this... Um, I guess, uh, ingenue type, and she's got her hair done up, and she's very glamorous, and uh, the concierge notes that he, and he never forgets a face, but the concierge notes that he seems to have seen this woman before, and again, given this is a vampire flick, Daughters of Darkness, I mean, this is a woman who doesn't age, and she's uh, hundreds of years old, and is, is based on uh, Hungarian Countess uh, Elizabeth Bathory, and uh, against this backdrop, there's these murders that have been taking place uh, of children in the in the uh, neighboring Bruges, and uh, all, all this is going on where you have these newlyweds and this sprawling, just gorgeous, beautiful setting, and then this uh, these newcomers coming in, uh, in including this uh, ingenue and her uh, lady servant, and uh, you just have this uh, dynamic. Uh, of of uh, Ilona seducing Stefan and um, uh, Stefan, who it turns out is uh, compelled 
by uh, compulsion to uh, vampirism and who gets turned on when he happens upon a crime scene for one of the local murders and he's trying to uh, uh, keep himself in check with his uh, newlywed uh, bride Valerie and, uh, and when he's finally overcome with feelings he beats Valerie and uh, and they have there's S&M in this film and this is a very very interesting very beautiful to look at 1971 effort and I believe uh, Camille Paglia had uh, really nice things to say about how it's um, it represents sort of a high gothic tone and it's a very uh, classic uh, retelling of the of the um, of the vampire aesthetic and uh, lesbian vampires as a subgenre like they they uh, had their day or night, I guess you could say, in, in the 70s. So it, this belongs firmly in that camp. And I use the word camp here. It's, it has some uh, Joan Crawford kind of campiness. But overall, I mean, this is just so splendid and so rich and resplendent and wonderful visuals. And you just don't mind the, the runtime. It is very, very meandering. There's lots of chatter. There's talk about how the Bathory character um, you know, put 300 virgins to death, and at one point she corrects her, and this is another thing I learned, says it was actually 800. And this is really, really fun stuff, uh, directed by Harry Kumel and uh, starring Delphine Seerig, a French actress. Just everyone in it, everything in it is just so rich and so fun and so glorious. You have these two films, I mean, The Barge People, Daughters of Darkness, spanning 40-something years with completely different regions, very different locales, very different plots, very different setups, very different approach to filmmaking and just uh, showing how just uh, how resplendent and fulsome the, the horror genre is and both so utterly enjoyable. Daughters of Darkness, a four-star effort for me, two and a half maybe for the barge people, quirky, low-budget, uh, indie indie gutsy filmmaking if you want to call it that anyway i hope you've been enjoying the podcast and uh pick up a, a copy a few copies of our books if you can our nonfiction uh, film books to help uh, keep the show floating as it were and we'll talk to you soon take care mm -hmm.